Welcome to the study podcast. We are here to encourage and to equip the church that people would fall in love with Jesus and better serve him today. Well, today we continue our What Sticks Out in Acts 15, in Acts 8 through 15, uh, mainly a follow-up transition of our online fellowship group. We uh, want to take the time also to uh, just talk about a few verses here and there that, that stick out to us about the main features of each chapter. Um, mainly these are scripture thoughts. We encourage you to listen to part one as well. It goes through uh, some scriptures of Acts 8 through 11. This will go through 12 and 15, 12 through 15. And um, yeah, let's just dive right in. So Acts 12, 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. There are a lot of things going on in this world. People move, people get married, or give brides away. People work, we pay bills. But no matter Whatever happens, no matter what happens, God's word goes out and doesn't return void. God, the Lord Almighty, has a great purpose and plan, and nothing overcomes God. We may see only dark days before us, but the truth is, God will overcome because his word will increase and multiply in any circumstance. And we really see a, a lot of hard circumstances in Acts. You know, we see a lot of hard circumstances in the Bible. We also see a lot of hard circumstances in our world today. You know, and we we you know wonder how is this going to happen? What's going to go on here or there? How is this leader going to overcome this or that? But really, we come to understand in the biblical text is that we have a leader that has overcome all these things. He he came in the flesh and he dealt with sin in the most gruesome fashion. He was he was nailed to the cross for our sins. All of the the sin of humanity and all the wrath of God was placed upon Jesus. And we have a leader that has taken all of that, all of our wrongdoings, all of our sufferings and has placed on himself. You know, in the reality of the buck stopping there, it, it stops with Jesus. Jesus has taken our accountability and placed in our account his righteousness. And it's like, you know, and some people, well, wait, he hasn't taken our accountability, and I understand we are still accountable to our sins and we still personally have things waiting for us at the bema seat of Christ. I understand that. But the wholesaleness of the grace of God has taken away our account, has washed us clean. And if we believe upon the name of Jesus and that word increases in us, we have so much in our bank account that we don't even understand. I totally recommend reading the the book of Ephesians right now as even as we're in Acts, you know, go over and read a little bit of Ephesians as well and just see how much you have. 
there and how how much God has blessed us with and that the grace of God and the word of God would multiply in your life and in your community and in our nation and in the world because revival starts with us you know, I think sometimes we oh revival will start out there you know no revival starts in our personal lives Acts thirteen thirty two, and we bring you the good news that what God prom- God promised to the fathers. Have you ever been promised something? Have you ever waited years upon years for that promise to be fulfilled? And when one gets engaged, they set a date, they pick out dress, a dress and dresses for their bridesmaids. The suit, they order the flowers. We know the promised day is coming and we prepare for it and we're ready for it and we are enthralled with its joy of coming. You know, we wait with great anticipation for that coming day. You know, this good news has been coming since the garden and now it's here. The promise has come to deal with the problem. The promised one has come to deal with the problem. Our hearts can be restored to God through Christ. You know, it's it's such an elegant epic of this grand story of God stating even a few verses after the first sin of Adam and Eve that the serpent crusher would come, that this promised seed would come, and that Jesus was on his way. And throughout the whole Testament, it's talking about this promise, this promise, and and the fathers get it, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and and David, and and Jeremiah, and and all these people, you know, hear of it, hear of it, and we we see all of these portraits of of this anointed one and and in, in Daniel we see you know who this king is the son of man you know coming in the clouds approaching god you know and we we see all these pictures of him and then we see in the gospels we see him you know and then and then we get to acts and we we see his word pouring out and his love pouring out to all the nations through these people that saw him that were chosen for him and then and then letters are talking about well why how do we live because of him because of him coming and and doing all of this stuff and redeeming us upon the cross and placing us in in righteousness and enthroning us in the heavenlies you know how do we deal with that? How do we live in this now cr- still corrupted world, but being ever restored and redeemed and grace being filled out and the sport, spirit of God pouring out on women and children and babes and, and Gentiles and Jews? You know, how do we live in a world that is 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 like that? And then we see the book of Revelation that he's coming again and he will set up his kingdom and all worship and adoration go to the Lamb, the Lamb that has been slain. And we see that that is a promise to the fathers. Acts fourteen twenty three. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. 
you know, leadership is hard. Everyone looks to you to make decisions for the group as a whole. Every community needs a leader. They need someone to show them how it's done. They need someone to show them how you approach doctrine or theology or life. You know, leaders need to be willing. You know, they they need to be willing to teach, willing to love, willing to be hospitable. You know, the book of the first book of Timothy and Titus really touch on these subjects of of what a leader should be. You know, they need to be called. I, I think there's really a, a sense of of calling, of appointment here that, you know, the local community needs to bring them up as well, you know, and, and they, they need to be equipped, you know, and I think a lot of that is like you need, as a leader, you need to be teachable. You need to be willing to listen and to learn. Um, the greatest teachers I've ever known are also the greatest learners. You you need to be willing to ingest food, <laughs> ingest all this information, and then show show other people how to understand it. Uh, and you know because not everyone can, not everyone has those giftings. You know, and know this: we're we're all leaders in one way or another, no matter our gifting whether we're a teacher or whether we're a servant, even in, you know, handing out meals or or how we're talking to people, we can we can serve people, we can lead people in one way or another with our words or with our actions. You know, therefore we need to commit them, commit all of us. <laughs> I mean, Paul says to never cease in prayer. You know, we'll commit our leaders to prayer, commit even yourselves to prayer and say, you know, am I a good follower? Am I a good leader in the people that look up to me? And whether that's your children, your wife, or or even, you know, the students that you're teaching now, you know, to be a good leader in that sense and to commit yourself to the Lord. You know, and, and even in fasting and taking time and, 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 you know, being committed to the Lord and taking time out of your schedule to to really, you know, place all these needs before the Lord. You know, I think leaders of all people need to be led by the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the shepherd that laid down his life for all of us sheep, that we would commit ourselves to Jesus. Acts 15 7 through 11 and after there had been much debate peter stood up and said to them brothers you know that in the early days god made a choice among you that by my mouth the gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe and god who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the holy spirit just as just as he did give us and he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why are we why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Now proof is something we all want. 
proof that this person is the killer on Blue Bloods or NCIS, proof that my child is being a good student and having report cards, proof that we have insurance and a license when we get pulled over. You know, we all live in a world that demands proof of this or that, proof of insurance, proof of liability, proof of all that good stuff. You know, we we see that the in this portion of scripture is proof to us Gentiles that God wants us and redeems us just like the Jews. That there is no distinction that everyone comes by him, by the narrow gate of grace. That salvation by the way of life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is available to all. And I think sometimes, you know, in a world that deems grace too easy, that that is why it's so narrow is because the 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 road paved the hell is paved with good intentions that all these people that, you know, well religion and Christianity are all about being good. And it's like no Christianity is about being perfect. God will not allow imperfection in his kingdom. And that only through the gate of Jesus can you become perfect because that's the only relationship that God came down and gave us righteousness and took away all of our blemishes and and made us white as snow. Now, in all of our debates, whatever they are, we need to see what God says. And we do that by coming to his word. And this is the proof that we need today that the Bible is the word of God. And that we need to take time, not just in scripture thoughts, but in every day just reading his word. Thank you for joining us today. We hope and pray this has been encouragement to you. Um, We pray that it's uplifting to your hearts, and we'll see you next time on The Study.